One, two, one, two, one, two, one, come on. In the trenches, running and hopping the fences, packing the pen like a weapon, fresh out the pen like a sentence. Hush all the noise and attention. Glad that I got your attention. Guide the better your friends. Hello and welcome once again to the amorphous Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios. I'm in a different part of the studios today. Uh, just giving giving it another try. I'm in, I'm in my library today rather than uh, rather than in my living room. So uh, hopefully that leads to a more cerebral soccer show here on episode three of season two of the right hosh it's our first time coming to you in a couple of weeks luke ned carney alex thompson rob jordan here we took a week off for uh just labor day holiday football starting american football that is all kinds of stuff it's one of those things where we were trying to pack the suitcase and it just there's just too much stuff to go in it so we uh we decided to just uh recap a two-week period here in the world of association football haven't been any club games since last weekend that's about nine days ago because of the international break and the uh the champions league draw coming out uh last week and a couple of our favorite teams will be playing in that one of them will not a little bit more on that later in the show but uh rob alex it's, a, it's been it's been a couple weeks it's, it's good to good to talk to you guys again you guys have you guys having a good start to uh to the month of september so far of of course, it is American football season, and uh, that's my happy place. And that now now that we've got this show, we've kind of you know cult- cultivated uh, interest in the across the pond or what everyone else in the world calls football. Uh, it makes Saturdays just even that much better. You wake up at seven forty five and start watching sports rather than you know having to wait for game day or SEC Nation to start. So uh, it's 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 been excellent. Uh, hope, hopefully my team, hopefully the Vols can keep it up and keep those Saturdays excellent. Yeah, uh, start to the season so far has been pretty good for Arsenal here um, as uh, American football starting up as well. A uh, lot of exciting things to talk about. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, Luke, you know, Champions League's coming up in uh, a couple international results that were uh Less than stellar, in my opinion, uh, depending on what uh, team you support. So we can talk about that more in a little bit. And we'll start. We'll go back to uh, the pre-Labor Day. I guess Labor Day weekend, pre-Labor Day holiday was the last weekend of uh, or Premier League competition uh, until next weekend, which would when play will resume. But uh, Arsenal getting the 3-1 win at home over Manchester United, favorite team of the namesake of our studios, of course. My Liverpool Reds, the big 3 nothing victory at Anfield over Aston Villa, earning Jurgen Klopp manager of the week honors uh, for, for that that game and, and the, the, the few games coming up. And Alex's citizens also at home at the Etihad making quick work of Fulham 5-1. to one. Uh, So that was their last Premier League result. I believe they were tied for the high score in the uh, Premier League that week with um, Tottenham of all teams who – put up five on the road at Burnley. So uh, the table right now, uh, last time we talked, all of our teams were kind of, kind of up there and, and where, where they should be. Manchester city is as a two point cushion over Tottenham, who leads Liverpool on goal differential by one goal. Tottenham is seven. Liverpool is plus six. Um, then West Ham at fifth and Arsenal is, or West Ham is plus five in fourth. Arsenal is plus four in fifth. So, Really not much has changed to uh, help the log jam clear since the last time we talked. It's just kind of a, and and the lack of, the lack of games has contributed to that. But, but these are, these are all teams that we expected to see up at the top and uh, food lion FC is in the double digits uh, in, in terms of rank They're 12th uh, with just four points this year and a goal differential of a flat zero. So uh, that's always good to see as long as we're all clear of the, the shitty kitties. That's that's always a positive here on this show. Uh, I'll tell you what. I was just going to say, I'll let you speak one second. Um, all I was going to say is I think I'm more focused on seeing if Everton gets relegated this year than seeing if Chelsea, oh, oh, what double digit Chelsea hangs around at. They're, they're not getting relegated as much as we all want them to. Everton very much could get relegated. And uh, I, I think if I have, you know, bottom of the table, sites this year it's just to see if Everton finally do they finally scored 
goals. They they had no goals up until uh you know the their third fourth game. Um, they they finally have two on the board. Well, negative six goal differential, so not going great for them. Um, and uh, that that that's what my focus is on. Honestly, at the bottom of the table. Totally with you there. I mean, I feel like Oregon going to the Big Ten, and if if my, my you know my my you know conference mate. Uh, Oregon State is going to get sent kicking and screaming to the Mountain West here with a college football realignment. But you know, Liverpool, neighboring neighboring Everton, we're we're still doing we're doing good. We're not going to be in danger of getting relegated. Knock knock on wood this year. Uh, Everton already came in with that danger, and it's just it would just be really funny if these two teams, which who call themselves the friendly derby, friendly derby, my ass, fuck Everton. But this, this it would it would kind of be a funny parallel to uh, you know it's like Oregon. Storming off to the Big Ten, they're 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 going to be fine. Everton, as Oregon State, is getting kicked down to the Mountain West, a a not Power Five conference, and it's it's just kind of it would it would definitely be funny to see a staple of the Premier League, who is you know was pretty good for most of when I've been a soccer fan, or at least recognizable in the Premier League, to get sent down to the next tier. Yeah, man, I, I think Dixie Dean from Everton still holds the official premier league scoring record but that that's going back to when the number of games were different but dixie dean for everton there's your nugget of the day yeah the the blues of everton right now uh they certainly had the blues but i'm not looking at the bottom of the table i'm personally looking at the top of the table and like you said luke uh you know there's still it's a log jam uh here in the top five but um, you know, there's certainly some teams that are starting to make names for themselves. Um, you know, obviously all of our teams are doing well. Um, I, I gotta say Brighton, uh, they had a, a slight hiccup, um, where, where they did drop points against West Ham, uh, where West Ham had dominant victory. And, uh, speaking of which West Ham themselves and Tottenham, um, you know, those are all teams I think that, uh, weren't necessarily on our radar, um, but uh, they're coming to play here, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, you know, how this all turns out. But, um, I mean, I, I think as of right now, uh, you know, it's a very, very long season. But, uh, you know, I, I think we've got quite a few contenders, and uh, it's interesting to see which teams will, uh, you know, keep up this pace uh, going into the end of the year around Christmas uh, and into 2024. I'm going to be interested to see if this week break here, two week break breaks any momentum for any of these teams that have started quickly, or on the other hand, kind of gives some of the teams that may not have started as quickly as they wanted to a a bit of a break to relax and be like, okay, like we can get our shit together. And, you know, we're, we're still just started the season. You know, it's like having an early bye week in the, in the NFL kind of the, we, we, you know, we can put this, these first few matches behind us. If you're a team like, I'll just pull Chelsea, for example, even though we all hate them. You know, if, if you're a team that has not played up to snuff over the last three games, you know, the first three games of the season, you can take these, these two weeks off and be like, all right, we can really work on things with the players that we have available who aren't playing internationally. And then, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried as a Liverpool fan, we've had a lot of good momentum to start the season and I, I wouldn't want it to break. You know, we, we can't, we were red hot after that win over Aston Villa, I wanted us to play the next day, man. I, I was like, let's just keep playing until, until we lose a game. And we've got the Wolves on the road, Wolverhampton Wanderers on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Uh, so early wake-up call for me. But that's that's like a trap game, man. After this break, uh, you know, you're not playing on your home ground against an opponent you definitely should beat on paper. So that's, that's going to be one of my areas of focus is, does Liverpool get the win? on Saturday after this layoff and how good do they look doing it? Because they've looked good in their last couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's a great point, Luke, because yeah, the international break, I mean, yeah, it, it's only for roughly a week or two. Um, you know, there's generally a couple matches, but uh, even kind of to your point, you know, you're uh, if you're a player that's playing at the club and at the international level, uh, coming back from that, um, you know, your international manager might have completely different tactics um, and use you as a player in different ways. So, um, you know, coming back to the club stage, uh, you know, having to retrain yourself, come back in, 
um, you know, we will see uh, some movement in that top of the table as well as mid table. So, um, you know, <laughs> luckily speaking of Everton, luckily they don't have many international worthy players. So hopefully Everton improves, but uh, hopefully they don't improve enough against my gunners of Arsenal uh, next Sunday. Um, that that is a certainly trap game for us. Uh, we uh, we lost them three uh, one last season uh, when they were desperately clawing uh, for any points to stay relevant, and um, that they, they got it against us. So uh, by no means am I overlooking Everton. A desperate team is a very dangerous team, um, but I think ultimately, uh, you know, the match it is going to be at Goodison Park, so it will be. Um, you know, a rowdy away atmosphere in the Merseyside Bay, but um, uh, I think the Gunners are going to come out on top. You're saying it's been Badison Park for them lately. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm rooting for you guys in that one, of course. I'm not, but um... <laughs> <laughs> so. how how dare you sh- you sully the name of Seamus Coleman, one of Ireland's finest. I, I believe he went on international break. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, Pickford's not playing for you guys, right, England? Uh, he he was. Um, he played against Ukraine. Um, but, again, uh, I mean, Jordan Pickford, uh, I mean, I think he's a broken man at this point. So many balls have been shot at him because his defense is absolutely terrible. So. I don't yeah, know I what's going he, on in that guy's head. He's going to be on keeping up with the Kardashians if he has any more balls fly at him. Um, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's it's been a very... Uh, uh, honestly, th- this international break was an uh, excellent thing for City. And it's not that we were playing poorly, but, um, you know, brought in Gavardial and Daku right under the gun for the transfer window. On top of that, having Pep miss two games for some emergency back surgery. Um, you know, Juan Malillo did a fantastic job in his stead. Um, didn't really have any issues, but you could tell Pep wasn't there. Uh, and it's, I, I think it's a good chance. You know, we had kind of the su- the sudden injury to Kevin De Bruyne, which honestly just threw everything for a loop. Uh, missing Bernardo Silva as well, missing John Stones as well, who still hasn't played. Um, it, it was just kind of, you know, after after you make the the treble run. City had, you know, like six weeks off and then had to turn right about right back around, come into the game with Arsenal to start this uh, to start the calendar year, the, the season, but then jump right into Premier League play, um, you know, had a Super Cup to do. Um, you know, obviously, we're talking about Champions League now that kicks up in uh, a little under a month, about three weeks. And for, for me, I, I don't know if the rest of the city is like this, but it was just kind of like it felt like our chance to breathe. Like, okay, we, we've settled who's out. We've settled who's in. We can take a look at our at our roster now, determine who goes where, um, and start to formulate an actual plan that we're going to execute for the rest of the season. Now we have Pep back with the new signings. Um, you know, it, it, it was very much needed. That, don't, don't let the 5-1 to Fulham fool you. That's a victory City should have regardless of what form they're in that that's that's how they should be playing when you have a guy like holland um we got to see Daku, but it it was it was honestly a, a much much better than the international break for the world cup last year we didn't need an extended break we just needed a quick you know 10 days off let us just settle down figure everything out make sure everyone's on the same page and let's go back out there and keep doing what we're doing so i i i loved it personally Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys uh, bounce back through adversity, and um, you know, you're you're staying on top and staying abreast of everyone. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You guys, dominant victory over Fulham, and uh, I almost brushed over um, uh, Arsenal's uh, great victory against Man U. Um, you know, it that was a I watched that whole match. It was a exhilarating match. Uh, Arsenal for all intents and purposes, had dominated uh, most of the game um, in terms of possession, just pattern of play, um, had a lot more chances. Um, but ultimately, uh, in the first half, uh, Man U comes away uh, 
with the first goal. Uh, they were looking to park the bus against us. Uh, they had they had Harry Maguire, and then they brought in uh, <laughs> uh, Lindenoff <laughs> as a center back, I believe. Um, so it was it was pretty bad. Uh, they were they were struggling back there, but they essentially parked the bus. And I mean, when you have a guy like Marcus Rashford on the wing on that breakaway. Um, I mean, he he's one of the best players when he's informed like he is now uh, for England as well as his club from last season. Um, speaking of which, uh, Marcus Rashford did get snubbed for the top 20 shortlist uh, for the uh, Ballon d'Or, which um, makes no sense to me given his form last year for uh, Man U in the Prem uh, as well as his form for England in the World Cup being the leading scorer. But I digress. Uh, either way, um, Arsenal immediately bounced back uh, with a goal by captain Martin Odegaard a minute later. That's exactly the mentality we needed. And uh, our new signing, Declan Rice, we were, Man U was licking their chops, thinking they were going to go into it with a 1 1 uh, draw. And even before that, they had a goal disallowed. Um, Garnacho. Um, had a great run uh, through ball just past our defenders, but was slightly offside. Um, so it was called back. But, man, you thought they'd stolen some points here from uh, the Emirates. And, uh, you know, Declan Rice just nails it in the 96th minute. And then right after that, an amazing breakaway individual effort by Gabriel Jesus. Good to see him back on the pitch and just doing Gabriel Jesus things. And um, it was a great team victory really bouncing back. But uh, the, the biggest takeaway I have for the Gunners from this match, uh, which has been a frustration I've seen this season as compared to how we started last season, uh, we're just trying to be too cute. Uh, we have all the great pieces in play, uh, great players that flow together. But in the build-up phase, um, going towards goal, I mean, we just dilly-dally, take our time, we we pass it way too much where you know we're a quality team that we need to attack the box like there's okay sure you can build up play to keep possession and uh you know keep the ball in the opposition's half for a little bit but uh at some point you know there are some chances you've just got to go ahead and take full steam go into the box take a shot rip a shot it's going to rebound off someone you have bodies there to get um, the ricochet shot and get it in the back of the net. So, um, you know, ironically, Declan Rice's goal in the 96th minute was just that. Instead of he eventually got the ball and was like, fuck it, I'm just going to shoot this. And he got it in. So um, that's just something as the Gunners fan, I'd like to see them do more. Um, you know, stop in the final third. We take way too many touches. Sometimes you just got to go for it and rip it. We have the talent. Um, to do it and um, you know leading up to Champions League um, against uh, great competition I mean those are the chances you got to take to move on so um, that that's all I have for the Gunners um, this week but uh, looking forward uh, here to the end of international break and picking back up where we left off one thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about Liverpool I can finally rest easy Mo Salah is not going to the Saudis uh, that was that would that happened in between our, our little siesta here. Um, so I, I, I've been, if you've listened to previous shows this season, I have been uh, just kind of wailing about that. Like, Mo, please don't. You're our best player. Please don't go. He didn't go. Uh, Allison Becker also uh, was courted by the Saudis, but not going as well. And also, perhaps appropriately for all three of us, uh, the official nominees for EPL manager of the month for August, Pep Guardiola, Mikel Arteta, Jurgen Klopp, our three teams managers. Um Andre Postacoglu for the, the Yids and David Moyes for West Ham. So uh, they, they, I believe the last day to vote was today. Uh, so we'll be, we might, well, maybe we'll tweet that out when it, when it gets, uh, it gets determined. So those are the five nominees for a EPL manager of the month. And we're, we're all represented here and uh, Chelsea and Everton are, are obviously not. So that, that, that's super cool too. Um, and, and of course, Mo, Mo Salah going to be a Liverpool on Liverpool for at least the rest of this season. I, I, I think, I hope uh, so until, until somebody else comes calling and bends the rules or whatever, but uh, glad, glad to, glad to hear that. Hopefully, hopefully at least the reds are done with the Saudis coming, uh, trying to raid their roster. 
yeah, man. Uh, good to see Silas stay in the Premier League. Is uh, at least uh, I I don't know who the the true catalyst is for keeping him. If it's Salo or if it's the Liverpool board or if Saudi Arabia just didn't want to fork over, but um, you know, a, a win for the premier league is a win for the premier league. And um, Rob, what, what <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, my answer to all of your problems there at Arsenal. And uh, it's, it's, it's no coincidence that the first 77 minutes of the game, uh, one goal, as soon as Kai Havertz gets yanked, two goals in 20 minutes. All I'm saying that guy is he's, he's awful. I'm looking at his individual stats for the year right now. And it's uh, you might, you might as well just start with a red card. Um, No big chances created one cross 0% cross accuracy, no through balls Uh, on 128 passes. Three of them were accurate long balls, Uh, six shots, zero shots on target, 0% shot accuracy, one big chance missed. Uh, a yellow card, eight fouls, two offsides are the only big numbers on his list right now. And I, I, I just, other than the the transfer cost, I, I don't see a single number here that suggests he should be getting played anymore. And with the razor thin margins, in my opinion, even going on the entire season, I don't know how you can sit here and contemplate possibly giving up points starting this buffoon. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad you guys do. It makes me feel comfortable with a lead, I guess. Um, there's better players there. Fabio Vieira is so much better than Kai Havertz. It's not funny. Um, I would put Trussard there. We've talked about this, but it, ju- it just it blows my mind, as smart as Arteta is, that he just keeps trying to do this. Uh, because th- this is not something that his, uh, his mentor, Pep, would, would be doing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> Trust me, as much as anyone, you know, we to not beat a dead horse here because we've talked about it over several episodes. But, you know, I would personally love to give Kai Havertz the red card and have it be, uh, you know, <laughs> indefinite amount of time <laughs> suspended from the bitch. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would absolutely love that. I will personally ship and mail that to Mikhail Arteta's office myself. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we have a lot more... Uh, options, uh, people that are hungry. And, um, you know, I was listening to some analysts talk about it where, uh, you know, we I, I would kind of joke and call him shy Havertz last year when he was on Chelsea. But you know, he, he did seem a little timid. Like, you, you, you can tell where um, someone's in a match and, like, you know, the, the biggest thing they were talking about is, you know, the way he works off the ball. He's always running. Like, that's cool. You can be kind of around where the ball is, but if you're not actively, like, you have to make a conscious decision, like, hey, I'm going to win this ball, or I'm going to use this ball somehow, you know, do through my individual effort, or, you know, draw people in and then swing it out wide. Um, I, I think Kai Havertz, I don't know what it is. It's maybe it's untraining bad habits from Chelsea. Which is fair, and that is a hard thing to do when you know he still is a young player. So um, I think hopefully this international break, it is a natural, uh, you know, when we start back up again, it's a natural starting point again in the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mikel Arteta uses this new start to say, hey, let's try something new. Because as you mentioned, I mean, Fabio Vieira... Um, you know, I, I kind of like Vieira as a super sub. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think certain guys sure. do better as, like, you know, hey, I'd rather have you come in the last 20 minutes but go, like, 150%, go balls to the wall, which he's – that's essentially what Fabio Vieira has done for us each match he's come in, which I'd like him in that spot. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Arteta should be experimenting with – uh some different lineups and uh you know we'll, we'll skip to the internet or we'll talk about this later in the international play but i mean zinchenko was looking very good in midfield for ukraine versus the three lines so uh again there, there's a lot of different options there and um i couldn't agree more with you so um I, I think not just arsenal but you know any team i think is any wise coach would use this time to if there's something wrong let's you know adjust and go on into 
uh, September on October uh, with a different game plan. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying at the, at the top where there's two ways you can look at this little little mini break here in the schedule. And if, if you're if you're bad like that guy is, you're definitely looking at it the opposite of the way that I was looking at it for Liverpool. You know, I, I figured the only thing that could stop Liverpool's momentum was, well, not having any games. But the only thing that can maybe save this guy's bacon is, well, maybe not having any games. <laughs> I I mean – He's got 95 games in the Premier League. It's fair to kind of blame Chelsea maybe for not developing him or, you know, hindering him somewhat. But I think at a certain point, we you just have to know what you have. Um, You know, he's not he's not one of these wonderkins who grew up in the academy and, you know, is is just a a normal player from the area. You know, this is a guy who's had a high transfer on his head twice Um, and just. Just watching the way Arsenal play when he comes out. I mean, I watched it up close and personal pretty much in the uh, the, the preseason game um, between City and Arsenal and then saw how they played in extra time uh, against Man U, which, you know, they, they needed the extra time, but they used it and they scored and they stepped their foot on the throat of Man U in the extra time. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a, a combination of the players that, that came on. I'm, I'm sure that's part of it, but... Uh, I, I, there's just one kind of common thread there and there's too many, there's, uh, you could be playing Thomas party in the midfield and not at right back. If you move, I mean, it, it you know, that beating a dead horse is one thing, but it, it is just why I keep coming back to it is because it's so bizarre. I have a lot of respect for Arteta and I don't understand why he's giving him all of this ground, unless he's just being told from up top, like, Hey, we got to, we got to sell some of these shirts, man. Keep them on the field until we sell out, and then you can take them <laughs> off or something. Like I, 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 I don't know, but the the, the extra times in, in the couple of Arsenal matches I've seen have been a markedly different Arsenal team than whatever plays for the first seventy five minutes of the match. They, they started well sometimes, but whenever it goes into extra time, I, I don't know what happens to that team, man. That. They, they touch the Space Jam basketball, and th- then it's just the Globetrotters out there with their feet. Uh, it's it's amazing to watch. Uh, I hope we don't have to come up against it personally in, in the Premier League season, but something tells me we're going to have some close matches this year with, with the Gunners. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what you're saying where it's a combination things, and that's what I was hinting at earlier, where it's just sense of urgency in the final third, where, you know, uh, Havers is certainly part of that, where – uh, you know, he again, by him being more timid, you know, he's more likely, you know, he'll receive the ball in the final third right outside the box. And then he'll like, oh, who do I pass it to? Like sometimes like he's been in advantageous positions where it's like, bro, go drive in the box, draw two defenders in. Then you can pass it out to Martinelli on the wing who's running into the box or pass it to Saka or, you know, Trossard or Jesus or whoever or Nketiah, whoever is in that striker role coming in um, where we're just dilly-dallying and, you know, you kind of see, you know, it, it's exhilarating for sure. It's certainly nerve-wracking. It's not doing my uh, cholesterol levels <laughs> any good uh, where it's a mad scramble at the end of each match. But, um, you know, I think it's a sense of urgency where I think, um, you know, we like to build up play slowly from the back, which again, is smart. That's what big teams do, you know, to control the match. I get it. But, um, you know, we just got to be one more clinical finishers. I've talked about this before, you know, taking advantage of the chances we get, but also just taking the fucking chance. Like, don't try and be cute and get a nice little combo going. Like, if you see an opening, rip the damn ball. Like, you're your top quality world players in, um, you know, Havertz certainly has stuff to do with that there and you know maybe maybe taking him out you know adds that sense of urgency because it brings in those uh hungrier guys uh into the squad which i think is you know that's what we saw last season from arsenal as a whole the team was hungry and you know that that's what spurred them on to that uh momentous run yeah i'm just saying if you gotta uh, my opinion if, if you have to play him let him play that super sub role for, for a match or two. See if that lights the fire. Sometimes being that sixth man off the bench in basketball is 
is all a guy needs to just kind of get his confidence up, settle into a game, sit up there in the stands and watch it from an eagle eye for, you know, 60 minutes and get a gauge on it. Come in. Don't think about it. Everyone's already had the mental toll of the game. They're already focused on other stuff. They're not focused on you. Come in, see if he makes a difference then. And definition of insanity, I think, is what I'm getting to the heart uh, of here is like it just – it doesn't make sense to keep doing it because he, he is not efficient as he is right now in that role and keep sending him out there is not helping. It didn't help Chelsea. It's not going to help uh, Arsenal. I don't think get, you had to change up your approach with him. Absolutely agreed. Well, three, as I mentioned, two of our three teams will be playing in the champions league. And the one that is not is Liverpool. Cause you know, they finished outside the top four last year. So Liverpool relegated to well, I shouldn't say relegated. That's that's a, that's the wrong term. They are they are playing in the Europa League this year, um, and the first game is against LASK Linz Thursday the twenty first at twelve forty five p.m. Eastern here in North Carolina. Um, that'll be in Austria. Actually, I thought I thought it said LASIK for a second. I thought I was going to get my eyesight fixed, um, but um, that doesn't really matter because the Champions League draw came out, and that's all that everybody's going to be watching. So I'll just, I'll just turn it over to the two guys who are going to be watching their teams in the champions league. And uh, we can, we can kind of break down this draw a little bit, but I I don't get to be in the fun this year, which, which kind of sucks because I like having the premier league competition, but I also like having that, that extra incentive, you know, that extra trophy out there that, that we could possibly get. And that's just not going to be an option for, for my team this year. So it's going to be like that, uh, Squidward watching SpongeBob and Patrick run around outside meme. And well, I'm Squidward. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's great, but you know, it's, it's kind of like having a job in high school when none of your friends do. And it's like, okay, uh, can I just, can I just have a normal can I just have a normal life? Can I just have a normal Premier League season without these stupid games on Wednesdays in the middle of it? Like it's already hard enough. But um, no, it's 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 a beautiful uh, a beautiful blessing that you can't take for granted when you whenever you do accomplish it. Um, and uh, Rob, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think you and I are pretty happy, or should be at least fairly happy with our draws. When I look at, you know. Are there easier groups out here? Yeah, maybe. Um, Maybe not, actually. I mean, honestly, maybe not. I can tell you I'm glad I'm not in Group F. They named that one appropriately. PSG, Dortmund, Milan, and Newcastle. I I want no part of that one. I don't don't know what two teams come out of that. But, um, you know, City draw Group G and have Leipzig, Kervenas, Vedza. I'm I'm assuming some – Croatian or Russian team and then uh the, the the young boys over there in Germany and you know I I'm not worried about any of them you know Le- Leipzig is a good name Leipzig has quality players I'm I'm not worried about them we, we we dunked on them last year I don't see why we wouldn't dunk on them this year um Rob what do you think about uh your pot that uh that Luke just went over with Sevilla PSV and Lons? Yeah, uh, I'm certainly very happy with her draw. Um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I I definitely see Arsenal finishing in top uh, of our group, Group B. But uh, you know, Sevilla in the uh, uh, Europa League champions from last year, uh, I think that's a great club for us to come up against uh, and really test our medal on that Champions League level. Um, you know, PSV Eindhoven. Um, you know, they're a stalwart from the Eredivisie um, here in Champions League. They'll be a great test for us. And uh, Racing Club Lens from uh, League One in France. Again, uh, I'll take a farmer in my group any day. So, um, absolutely <laughs> great. Um, I, I love that draw. And uh, as you mentioned, I mean, when I was watching the draw, uh, highlights. I mean, Group F is is just crazy stacked, and um, it, it's funny because you know Newcastle for a while had been out of Champions League play, and their fans were, you know, want the one thing was, hey, we want to get back into Champions League play, and you know, because Champions League for the fans too, it's a chance for them to go on holiday to all these famous stadiums around the world, and they got their wish against PSG, Dortmund, and Milan, three iconic teams three iconic stadiums for Newcastle fans to come to 
as well as for those traveling fans uh, to come to St. James's Park. And, um, you know, I, that's going to be a very exciting group. Um, but, yeah, all the other groups, um, nothing nothing really stands out to me. I mean, I think you guys got a good draw. Uh, like you said, Alex, um, you know, RB Leipzig, I feel like that's a familiar foe for you guys in Champions League. And it's a good benchmark. Uh, you, like, you want to have one solid team in your group stage so that you can really – you know, you want to be tested early on uh, without the risk of, you know, being knocked out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great group stage for us. And, uh, you know, enjoy it while it lasts because, uh, you know, there will be another draw once the knockouts start. Yeah, what we played Leipzig last year in the round of 16, and that is the game that uh, Holland had had his five goals in the first 60 minutes or so. Um, and, and Pep had to pull him out, out to it, a broke Messi's record. Um, and that's, that is by far the best team in our group. I feel very fortunate and I, you know, not, not that we're going to sit here and pick these groups, but Rob, uh, Rob, Luke, I'm just curious. What two teams do you see emerging from that? There's always a group of death in, in soccer. For, I think they do it just so they can use the term. There's always a group of death. Um, it's clearly group F here. You know, PSG losing Neymar and Messi um, among some other players. Um, Newcastle can Newcastle can be one of the two teams here, I think. I don't know who I would pick necessarily, but um, do, do you guys have any gut feelings about the two teams that walk out of Group F? It's it's a real toss up. Like I've I've been going through multiple combinations uh, in my head as you've been talking, but even just looking at the group stage earlier, um, uh, I do, you know, I would absolutely love Newcastle to make it out. Um, I will say, I don't think they will um, just, and it's just purely based on it's their first time back in champions league. Uh, you know, that is a massive step up, especially in the group um, of competition they're playing against. Uh, whereas, you know, PSG Dortmund and Milan have all been, you know, in the Champions League routinely the last few times. They're used to that stage. They're used to having that in their schedule uh, in terms of players and load management. Um, so I don't see Newcastle making it out. For me, it's a real toss-up between Dortmund and Milan. Uh, I do think PSG is one of the teams that goes through just purely based on you know the, the players they have on there. Still have Mbappe, still have Hakimi, um, among others. Um, but, you know, I, I think the real – I'm going to go ahead and say Milan. I, I think Milan has the uh, the better quality squad than Dortmund, top to bottom. Um, and I, I don't know what it is, but Serie A teams, like Italian teams, especially the ones in the top flight, they're always very sneaky. Um, like they're never, they're never necessarily like the best team on paper per se, but they always find a way to win um, at the end whistle. And I, I could see Milan uh, squeaking by, uh, you know, in, in some magic, <laughs> some last minute magic or something. So I, I see PSG and Milan moving on from Group F, but it, it could literally be any of the other teams in my opinion. I I also like the the men from the Alps, uh, Milan, uh, to to advance out of this. And uh, piggybacking off that, Rob, I, I think Serie A is the m- most defensively sound league in, in Europe and and possibly in the world. The, all those clubs play really good defensive soccer. They they counterattack really well. They they take you out of your comfort zone. Kind of kind of they they make you do things that you're not used to doing in order to win matches. I mean, and, and this is the reason why I'm going to make a case for Newcastle too. They play outstanding defensive soccer. I think they gave up the fewest goals in the premier league last year by, by a, a relatively healthy margin. Uh, one of the things that helped them get to champions league here. Um, and I think that's just going to continue. And that now Liverpool kind of exposed them a couple weeks ago with those two goals in the second half. Uh, but you know, I think Liverpool is just as good as a lot of these teams that are playing in the champions league, um, even though they're not, going to be in it um but i'm i'm gonna i i'm kind of 50 50 i'm with you here on milan i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna pick the magpies to go through 
Um, just based on that same reasoning that I used for Milan and for Serie A. I'm just, I'm going to stick to my guns here and just, you know, it, it, it would be fresh blood too. Just even though they're not any of our favorite teams, that would, that would be a team that we haven't really seen go down this road since like, at least since I started following soccer closely. So that's, that's part of it too. I just like to see them upset the apple cart a little bit. Definitely don't want to see any farmers in the, in, in the next round either. So that that's, those are my two picks. Yeah. I, 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 if I were to answer, it would be a combo of both of your answers and um, Milan and Newcastle are probably who I would pick out of here. Um, I, I actually feel like PSG finishes last in this group. Um, you know, not only has City played against them in the Champions League in important matches, but um, I've seen them play other squads with the addition of Messi and Neymar to this current squad uh, and and not do anything. And maybe it's one of those things where less is more uh, for, for that squad. Maybe they play better not having a trio of confusion of, you know, who, who, do, who do I prioritize getting this ball to type of thing from the midfield. But um, I, I can't say enough about the Italian uh, uh, league over there. Obviously we played enter in the champions league final last year, and that went down to the wire uh, just with that very cagey smart tactic that that entire league uses. Um, you know, it, it, it's maybe not the most threatening offensively, but it makes it to where every single shot counts because you're, you're not going to get a whole lot of opportunities. They're not going to give up a lot of goals. Uh, so I, I like the call um, uh, of Milan from both of you. And, and there's a lot of good storylines in that group too, because, uh, you know, keep in mind, obviously it's, you know, the players on the pitch, but, um, you know, that there are some, you know, real bitter rivalries in here, uh, you know, uh, with uh, Milan playing Newcastle, Tanali's going to come back uh, to Milan in a different shirt. Uh, so that's going to be a storyline to watch there, uh, as well as PSG and Dortmund having that rivalry. Um, whenever they were in Champions League play, when Erling Holland played for Dortmund, um, and he scored the goal against them and did the little uh, meditation celebration, and then PSG ended up pouring it on them in the, uh, the next match after, and they did a very... Uh, disrespectful locker room celebration where they all did the the meditation thing uh to spite Erling Holland. Um so so there's definitely bad blood between PSG, Dortmund, a lot of rivalry there, Milan and Newcastle with Tanali. And um, you know, I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere for the fans no matter what. But um this is a group where every single team um, is going to be on that front foot and they're going to want to get the jump on the competition. So um, I'm certainly tuning in uh, for any matches from Group F. And I'm sure there's also more crossover, but uh, Hakimi played for Dortmund as well. So um, there's that, that there, there's certainly some crossing of streams in this group. And not, not only is it the best group, but there's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, that, like you were just saying, that those internal storylines that, you know, aren't, you can't capture their impact on paper, but it's going to be there. I so, almost, well, yeah, ahead, I almost forgot. I almost forgot, actually, uh, with Milan and PSG, uh, it, it'll be Kylian Mbappe versus Olivier Giroud, who, yep, uh, you know, they yep. have a inner-French rivalry uh, in the striker position. So, again, like, literally every matchup, there's little storylines and, uh, you know, it's it's just going to be a powder keg. We're just waiting to see who's going to be the first one to light the match. It's it's a very well rounded geographical group too. I, I really it's hit. We hit. We're hitting four of the powerful European countries here in in the sport of soccer. Um, you've got you've got England across the channel down to PSG, and then you hit you hit Dortmund, which I think is like in the western part of Germany, and then you go you go down to Italy, just south of the Alps, where where Milan is. So this is this is a very aesthetically pleasing. Uh, region or group if you look at it on a map um in case anybody was wondering in case anybody was wondering liverpool's group for the europa league consists of lasik Linz. i'm just gonna call them lasik from now on from austria toulouse out of france and uh let's see if i can get this right um union union saint gilois from antwerp or from from somewhere in belgium they just tied antwerp in their last game but uh assuming they're from Wallonia rather than, than Flanders with a name like that. So much, much less interesting 
uh, games to come for for the Reds. But just just wanted to, if there's any any Liverpool fans who listen to that show who are like, or to, who listen to our show who are like, who the who the hell are we playing in Europa League? There, there's your answer. That's our group. Uh, back back to regularly scheduled programming. Good to know as well. I mean, you you can certainly uh, you can certainly boost your your next season with a Europa League championship. Um, it's it's not it's nothing to scoff at, but of course, you know, just the standard Liverpool has played to and holds itself to. They don't want to be there, but uh, st- still a fantastic piece of hardware. And I does Liverpool have one in their case? Do you know? I do not. Um... I, I should know. I, sh- I should be a better fan and know, but I do not off the top of my head. I'm I'm googling now. If if you want to if you want to keep going, I can. Tell yeah, you I just it. I'm just I I don't I didn't have much more ba- just about about the Europa League. I think I'm just going to kind of let the matches happen and and react to them as they as they have. But it does it does kind of intrigue me how how Jurgen Klopp is going to approach these games matches ver- versus how he approaches. Premier League matches, and then this is one one of the challenges you face as a manager when you get deeper into the season. Uh, you have many different competitions to worry about. You know, you care about Cup is another one that uh, comes up during the year. Uh, so it's 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 a, a balancing act. Um, but 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 as I was coming into the season, three times, you know, three times, three sorry. times. There we go. Yeah. Per- perfect. Uh, uh, so hopefully, hopefully one for one for the uh, the pointer finger here or the pinky, depending on how you uh, how you look <laughs> at it. But, um, I think I was saying, you know, and I've said this on previous shows throughout the summer and here early in the season, you've got to really focus on what your goal is if you're Liverpool. And to me, that goal is finishing in the top four. So if if Europa League gets sacrificed in terms of game planning and maybe not playing our best players if they're banged up or tired or whatnot, it, EPL is going to have still have to be the priority, at least in my view. Now, I'm not Jurgen Klopp. I'm not a nominee for EPL manager of, of the month for August. But that's just that's just a man, a man's two cents right there. It just, I think it's best if they just focus on putting, you know, putting all the eggs in the basket of um, finishing top four in the premier league. But you're, you do bring up a valid point. That's it's more exposure for your club. You know, it, it's kind of like playing one of those pre Christmas bowl games where you're still getting a nice television slot and a nice payout and you know, all that extra practice time. So it, it definitely cuts both ways. And, you know, just, Guys who are new to the club, you know, this isn't a salt in the wounds type of comment, but you have some guys there who haven't been able to enjoy the success that Liverpool uh, had several years ago. And, you know, you bring in, uh, you know, Alex McAllister, who has the World Cup, but doesn't really have any domestic uh, big titles under his name. Uh, Getting experience in those scenarios is important, too. So even if it's not playing for the hardware that you're exactly wanting. It's it's a it's a, a league with a lot of teams that are in contention for the Champions League every year as well. Um and are in you know similar situations to Liverpool. So I it, it's it's worth it. Iron sharpens iron type of thing in in my in my view to if if the rest of your you know competition in the Premier League are also playing those midweek games, getting some of their guys extra matches you know, putting a finer point on the tip of their pencil. Uh, I, I think you have to be doing that too. The rest is nice, but um, you know, it, you definitely have to balance it and it's, it's going to be a, a unique opportunity for Jurgen. Um, and I, I wonder if he's going to bend the ear, uh, you know, of, of the Newcastle manager of the West Ham manager guys who have, you know, kind of been in this situation before uh, and, and see how they manage it. Cause I don't think, Klopp has coached in one of these before. Uh, so that will be interesting as well. Yeah, it's just kind of it's kind of a blank canvas for me as a fan. It's just what what are we gonna do? You know, I I not no reason to think about it really until the 21st when we finally do uh, travel to Austria to take on Lace the, the LASIK team. Um, but you know, we, you know, will Sala play a full 90 minutes? You know, will will Cody Gagpo play a full 90 minutes? Will you just insert player here? Um, will, will, will Virgil van Dyke get a red card in the first half and force us to play with, uh, with 10 men for, for just over an hour of game time, uh, th- things like that. But that's, that's kind of all I've got there on the, uh, the Liverpool front. Um, <clears throat> no, we, we had the international break. We're going to kind of segue into that here as in the last part of our show, was there any, any loose ends either you guys wanted to tie up uh, with regards to champions league? Because as, as mentioned, you guys actually get to enjoy it. 
Well, it, it, enjoy is one thing, but now that we are the by far betting favorites, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of benefit to winning it and only just risk to losing it. So I'll I'll let I'll let you know. <laughs> what well, we play, I want to say next Tuesday is our first match, the nineteenth, whatever that is, and we play Corvenas Vedza. Um, never heard of them and can barely pronounce it, so I'm not particularly worried. But you never know; weirder things have happened, and we have the target squarely on our back rather than the whoopee cushion underneath our fanny in this one. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's now that we know we can win it. And everyone else knows we can win it. I'm curious to see if that changes the equation. It's like being a Georgia football fan right now. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, pr- pretty much exactly. Yeah, no, it really Except is. For, <laughs> you know, we're we're kind of in year six. Um, you know, Georgia just came out of the gate and went straight to the top. Uh, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of buildup for it. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's very, very similar. Now that you're here and everyone's trying to knock you off, how do you respond? Exactly. Rob, anything for you? Uh, no, I'm just really looking forward to Champions League this year. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of great matchups. Uh, the only other thing I'd really say is, um, you know, the other groups to look out for, I think, uh, let's see here, Group D, I think is a great draw. Benfica, Inter, RB Salzburg, and Real Sociedad. Um, that's a fairly uh, good group in terms of parity. I'd also say... Um, here we go. Yeah, um, Group E as well. Uh, Feyenoord. I think they're they're clearly from one of the Nordic countries. Atletico Madrid, Lazio, and Celtic. Um, I think that's going to be a very entertaining group to watch as well. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'd love to see our teams go through, uh, to the knockouts and uh, just see some great footy. I might even enjoy it more because I don't have a I don't have a dog in the fight. We'll we'll see. Soccer is definitely one of those sports I can watch and enjoy when I don't have a dog in the fight. So I'm just I I hope for some some really good games too. Um, but good luck, good luck to the Reds or good to the citizens. Good luck to the Gunners and good luck to the Reds too. I was just gonna say you you should pick a non Premier League team and just like set that as your team so you can <laughs> kind of you know have have something to root for and like hell if. You know, I don't know, but Bayern. If I if I was completely uninvolved, Bayern would be the team I'd be leaning on. I I, I want to see I want to see the Hurricane uh, win one of these bad boys, and I, <laughs> we'll I hope it's I hope it's not this year or during his lifetime. But if I wasn't a City fan, Bay- Bayern is mighty tempting. Well, stay tuned for our next show to when I, when I reveal that pick. <laughs> we call that in the business a tease, and uh, we go in a segue now to. Uh, well, international break, not not a ton of substance here. I have a little bit of a rant for uh, for the end, but we can start with with actual soccer. Um, USMNT three nothing over Uzbekistan and St. Louis. That's uh, preview of my rant coming up. Um, they play Oman tomorrow in a fi- in a friendly in St. Paul, Minnesota. So really, nothing to see here for that. Um, other than, you know, just we're, we're all I, I feel like we're on just a little bit of a holding pattern with uh, with the U.S. national team before, um, you know, before the next World Cup cycle uh, starts up with qualifying and whatnot. After the, the Gold Cup was, I think, a, a failure for most people. And most people are still tired of Greg, Bar- Greg Berhalter. You know, they never really warmed up to him in the first place. But um, I, I don't know. We were talking kind of off mic about. Um, about the the three lions a little bit. So Rob, what, any 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 updates from across the pond on on the international side? Yeah. So uh, we just had the one match uh, last weekend against Ukraine. It was a disappointing one one draw. Uh, it was a match where we, in all statistics, completely dominated. Uh, over twice as many passes as them. Over twice as much possession as they had. We had 91% pass accuracy. They had two shots. We had 11. Uh, by all means, looking at this, um, you know, it the three lines should have certainly won. Um, so it, this was the first time in the uh, Euro qualifiers we had dropped points in our group. We're still very much in charge um, at the top of our group with 13 points, with Ukraine being in second point or second place with seven. Um, so, I mean, we're we're well in control of that group, but uh, I mean, really, it 
just it was a lackluster performance by the three lines where um some guys just looked a little bit out of it um you know I, I don't know if it is the you know it is the crazy schedule of you know a lot of these guys are playing for the clubs and they're doing the international duty and then you know they've got you know international club stuff with uh you know champions league um so it could be the schedule getting to some folks but um by all means we should have won this match uh to their credit uh fantastic goal uh by Ukraine uh two or three players came charging in the box and Alexander Zinchenko my guy from the Gunners uh netting it in the 26th minute uh and got to see him in midfield um so again hopefully Arteta was watching that match there closely um to see some other possibilities we could move uh, to remove the Havertz uh, problem uh, there. But uh, Kyle Walker coming in with a fantastic goal in the 41st minute as well. Um, he timed his run perfectly down the right wing, uh, as he so does to come up and help. Um, and kind of following up from the, uh, you know, that Man City match where he conceded that goal and he was hungry to get that goal personally himself and set it up. Um, at least, uh, you know, same goes when he's wearing a shirt for the three lions and um, glad, glad that he got to get on the score sheet there. But uh, Bukasaka was very close. Uh, we should have had a second goal. He beat the keeper, you know, an absolute rocket of a shot keeper tipped it and it went off the crossbar. So, um, you know, it very well could have been a goal, but you know, could have, would have, should have at this point, but it's on to the old enemy, the Scots, the rebellious Scots, the crush, and uh, we are playing them tomorrow, and which will be uh, commemorating the 150th anniversary of the first meeting between us, the old enemy, the Scots, the rabble from above Hadrian's Wall. We will play them, and we will, as history repeats itself, defeat and crush the rebellious Scots tomorrow in their home turf. That's all I have. The King James Classic. King James the sixth or King James the first, depending on where you're from. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be rooting for you. I'll be rooting for you guys in that one too. Cause I just, I don't like haggis, man. They eat that. That's they eat some weird fucking food up there in Scotland. Like I've got a friend who's going to Scotland in a couple weeks and he is really excited to try haggis. And I'm like, bro, just stick to like hamburgers and salads and stuff, man. You don't, you don't want to be eating hag- haggis. The newest Absolute. midfielder for Arsenal, Kai Haggis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's not the worst thing they do with Sheep up there either. So, I mean, Whoa! <laughs> look for the ones with the black X on the side. They're the ones that kick. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, right, anyway, quick comment. Great to see Kyle Walker get his first senior goal for uh for the three Lions. You know, not 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 that he is a goal scoring stalwart or anything, but um you know he's thirty three years old and I want to say he's got almost eighty uh, caps there for uh for the three Lions and you know cool, cool to see him getting a, a goal that is actually pretty important, uh relatively important I guess it's not like it was a you know just attack on goal on top of an eight nothing drubbing of. I don't know, Sri Lanka or something like that. Um, at least he did it on a club that has their flag in FIFA. Uh, so that, cool, cool to see. Um, just really painful to watch him wear red, though. I'm glad he doesn't do that full time. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I have for the three lines, really. Um, what about, uh, Luke, you said you had something cooking about the U.S. – men's national team what's uh what's on your mind i i do it's 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 a little bit of a, a hot box here we're not we're not going to make it officially a hot box because it's it's not it's not a big thing it's not a big deal it's just one of those things that really annoys me about the business of sports and and the people who run things just being two-faced about how they want to grow the game in this country uh for some background information uh, i've already mentioned the game against uzbekistan taking place in st louis well st louis just got an mls team this season, uh, which I actually did not know uh, until very, very recently. Um, And you're trying to grow the game in different markets. There have been a lot of markets that you would not think of as soccer markets. And U S is playing Oman in one of them, St. Paul tomorrow. So that's, you know, that's, that's 
an, another example here, but you know, Cincinnati, Seattle, Atlanta, these are all places that have really taken to the game of soccer. I, I mean, it, it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that from places that, you know, don't, don't, you know, are in the middle of flyover country or, you know, the Pacific Northwest where football is King or, or Atlanta where college football rules everything. Um, and, and, and it's, it's just really interesting to me to see how that happens in each market, but us soccer was charging a hundred dollars or more for tickets to this game uh, at St. Louis SC's stadium. And I'm just wondering, number one, you're playing Uzbekistan. This isn't us versus Mexico. This isn't us versus England. This isn't us versus, you know, Japan or Germany, or even like, you know, a middle middle tier team like Ghana or Egypt, like where you could maybe justify, but charging those prices. Now this is Uzbekistan, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people couldn't even point to on a map. And you're charging a hundred dollars for a friendly while you're simultaneously trying to grow the game of soccer in a market like St. Louis, which is losing population. And it's not a very affluent place to begin with. And to me, that just is, it, it, it's counterintuitive because if you want to make more cities like Atlanta, like Cincinnati, like Seattle or Minneapolis, St. Paul with MLS and with this sport, why are you, would you do something that gets you bad publicity like that? Sure. The U S won the game. Pulisic had a really cool goal at the end. Great. Great. I mean, that's not what I'm complaining about. It's like, you want people to actually be there. Don't you, you want people to actually see this and be like, this is something that we could get into. But when tickets for an international friendly against a country that has zero world cup history, zero players of note and just zero history with our national team uh, in, in terms of matchups and whatnot. And you're charging triple digits for tickets. Like that just, that, that, that set me off today. And I, I was glad we were doing the show so I could come on and just do a little, little mini hot box about just this is the business of sports, because when you work in the business of sports and it's constantly around you, there, there are some things where some days you're just like, man, that that little thing just kind of set me off. So that 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 was my little rant that I I previewed at the end. Just stop making it so expensive for people to go to fucking soccer matches. Like this is the this is the beautiful game. This is the people's game. It's the easiest sport for someone to just play, uh, and, and it should be an easy sport for people to just go and watch too. We have plenty of this crap here in America. You know, baseball tickets are way too expensive for what the sport is. Some college football teams you you can't get into their stadium because their games are always sold out. We, we don't need that also in soccer. So let's just, let's, uh, let, let's, let's be a little bit more reasonable about how we, how we, we schedule these and price these, I guess. Yeah, man, they, they, they priced it like, like Messi was out there. They, it got the MLS treatment and it's right. kind of, it's it like Messi doesn't play for the United States. This is not an MLS game. You don't owe Apple anything. Well, why? I mean, I, I just looked up the attendance numbers. Fifteen uh, five showed up to a stadium of twenty, roughly twenty two five. So seven thousand empty seats. Uh, no small part, I'm sure, to exactly what you just ranted about. Well, on a, the game was also on a Saturday night, and from what I yeah. heard, the weather was fantastic. And you know, maybe some of them are watching Mizzou football. Sure. What, whatever, or Illinois football, whatever. That's three people. Illinois played on Friday, so that, that's not even an excuse. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, man, it's just, it just, it, it rubs me the wrong way. It's just it, it, all the bad publicity that's come toward U.S. soccer for, you know, the women's team not winning the World Cup and the men's team keeping Burhalter, yada, yada, yada. We just, we just don't need this. You know, we simply do not need this. Yeah. Uh, Bad, bad news is the chief export of the United States right now across the board. So uh, <laughs> at, at least the sports teams are, are showing their patriotism too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that was, that was, that was how I was uh, putting my stamp on the end of this show. But um, you know, I, I, Rob, Rob, I guess I'll, I'll needle you about our fantasy football matchup, which by the, the end of tonight and by the time this show is posted, we'll be, we'll be determined. So uh Thanks for, thanks for joining the league, by the way. It's it's super fun to have like all three of the the people associated with the show in in one league. Uh, absolutely, maybe we can uh, uh, talk about it uh, on in, in another podcast at some point about Josh Allen and how great he's going to look tonight against the Jets. <laughs> 
Yeah, man, and, and, and this is this is a plug for our other show, The Right Hash. We do do a fantasy football segment. It's usually not a whole quarter, but we will mention our league. Uh, you'll hear Rob's name during that show when we hopefully roast him for losing to me in week one. Um, but that, that, that episode is coming up later this week. Thursday morning is the likely uh, likely drop date for our Right Hash American football episode. Plenty of picks, plenty of reaction to college football. And just we we are in we are in that time of the calendar, um, as as we say on the Georgia broadcast, because the dogs have won 19 in a row. These are the good old days. So it's just it's the shows get easier. The shows get more fun. And there's just there's so much to just react to. And that's that's just that's that's one of the greatest things about coming home from the office on a Monday. And it makes the Monday just not terrible. It's like I know we're going to be here talking about soccer. And that's that's the secret sauce. On, on a positive parting note, you guys will be glad to know, again, the right hosh is listened to all over the world. The top players, top managers, top coaches are listening to it because our guy, Neymar, snubbed the French League. He talked about how, based on the players in the Saudi League, I'll let you see the clip for yourself, but uh, he pretty, uh, pretty much completely shits on the French League and says... Based on the players in the Saudi League, it's it's already better than League One. So uh, <laughs> nice, nice little uh, positive validation just to know that the right hosh once again is correct. How do you say farmers in Portuguese? <laughs> uh, I have no clue, and I don't know how to say it in Arabic either. So, salam <laughs> <laughs> alaikum. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of The Right Hash. I can tell if I was muted or unmuted, which means it's probably time to, to wrap this show up before a Monday Night Football. Monday Night American Football, that is. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Enjoy the Champions League. Enjoy the Europa League if you're a Liverpool fan or a LASIK. When there's Alec For Alex Thompson and Rob Jordan, this is We will talk to you next time on The Right Hosh from the Nazi.